I'm doing well, man. Uh, uh, I got my son is in the background watching Spider Man, so let me know if you can hear that. Let me know oh. if it's on audio. No, I can't hear anything, man. I cannot. I cannot hear anything, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Dude, man, I, I appreciate the honor of, of of being invited to the podcast, man. This is oh, this no. is big, and um, you you you've had some extraordinary guests, man. That I am extremely excited to just be in the same company with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, rightfully so, man. Absolutely, rightfully so. But um, like I tell everyone that joins the podcast, inter interestingly enough, we just jump right on in this, John. Nice. Uh, so if you're good to go, I'm good to go. Let's get going. Let's get going. Well, with that being said, welcome one and all to another episode of A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine, season six. And I am really, really excited about our show and even more so our show today because we have Chris Butler. And when I think about content and producer, and when I just think about extraordinaire, I mean, this individual has touched so many different elements of producing some amazing campaigns. So first and foremost, let me say that. But then if anything, welcome to a dose of black joy and caffeine. How are you doing? Doing well, man. Doing well, man. I can't complain. I'm on vacation this week. Yeah, you know, it's 6 p.m. here on the East Coast, man. But um, but back to what I was saying, man, what's exciting? You know, it's just a lot of exciting things that have recently happening on the horizon. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, just taking this week off, you know, to sit back, reflect and, and, and you know, plan on how I'm going to attack the second half of the year, you know, um, just, you know, getting getting some life business in order, getting some corporate business in order. Nice, in nice, nice. Yeah, I love it. And I mean, when you say in order, I think you have always had your ducks in a row. Currently, Chris is the senior creative producer at Uber on their global marketing team, but he has you know, had a long history of working on some amazing projects such as The Paperboy, Lee Daniels, The Butler, Empire, 12 Years a Slave. I mean, and then not only that, you've had had your foot in um, working with so many different brands such as Google, Adidas, Meta, Allstate, Mountain Dew, StubHub. I mean, sheesh, what is the <laughs> secret to collaboration? The secret to collaboration will and always, uh, you know, and always will be uh, just being an active listener, you know, one thing about marketing, marketing is the business of communicating, you know, and you can't be a, a good communicator without being a good listener. So, you yeah. know, actively, you know, being in these rooms, listening to the client's problems, listening to the, you know, the, the creatives in their POV and how they want to approach it, understanding everybody's stake and what they want to get out of the work yeah. and being able to shape what success looks like for that, you know? Um, and I think that's really the key. And I think people really appreciate that. People don't forget when you listen to them and, you know, weeks, you know, weeks later or a week later, you know, you're going through the strategy, you're going through the brief, you know, you're in creative presentations and you're referring back to, you know, things that they mentioned in that first meeting and that RFP and that briefing, you know, just to make sure that you really understand their business and their business problem, man. Like, I think that is a, 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 um, a undervalued um, um, skill set that mm. is not shown enough. I think everybody is so um, so everybody's so caught up on wanting to speak and wanting to be heard and and things like that. It's like, yeah, but who who's in the room listening? Because if nobody's in the room listening, then how are we making progress? Like who like you know it, it, who how how are we keeping track of like what are we doing here? You know, so somebody has to be the listener in the room, and I've always prided myself on being that person. 
Nice. I appreciate you say that, especially because I think that entering an industry of this nature where you do have so many people that talk, self-included, you know, I didn't came a long way, which is why now I just take my talking to the podcast. I try right, to talk right. less. You, you know, need, need more time to talk even after work. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Y'all probably like, a dude, shut up sometimes. <laughs> Never, but, man. Um, you always got something great to say. Oh, man, I appreciate it. But I think you bring up a good point. And what I really love about what you said is, you know, not only listening, but bringing up that point later on enforces just how much you were actually listening at that time. You know, that does something special. Exactly. So, all right, man, I see how you're navigating these rooms. Well, listen, um, you have already reached the point of the podcast where I have a little game. So you mentioned that you're on vacation, but if you had to select the discography of three Black music artists, only that you could listen to on repeat, which three black music artists would you select? Oh, that's a good one. I would say it is, I would say Anderson Pack is on that list. Okay. Tyler, the creator. And man, the third one is a tough one. I would say Anderson Pack, Tyler, the creator. And you know what? For number three, I'll probably go with Kendrick Lamar just to get a, right. you know, get a, get a, get a dose of that, uh, you know, that, you know, that, that reality and, and, you know, he does he does a lot of great things in his music that that honestly, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of Tupac, you know, uh, you know, listening to his music does help me navigate life as a black man. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that. So going back into your producing bag, I know that, you know, we talk about the big projects that you produce, the Butler Empire. We're talking about movies, cinema, these big brands. But how have you kind of almost scaled that down or do you feel like producing for social media content is at the same caliber of producing for these other projects? I would say the biggest thing and the thing that I carry over most coming from the film industry and coming into, um, you know, the world of advertising, a much shorter platform, shorter form platform or more like direct to consumer is um, the, the difference. On, only only thing that is the difference is, is the amount of time that you have. You know, and um, the biggest thing about producing, no matter what channel you're on, what medium you're talking about is connecting with people and giving them something that fills a motive and that 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 they can relate with. So I feel like a lot of my success in the advertising industry is because I came from the background of being a filmmaker, working with some amazing directors, working with some amazing filmmakers, because movies achieve what we've been trying to achieve for years as brand an emotional connection. You feel emotionally connected to the movies you watch. Yeah. You love these movies. Like, and I think people always trying to crack, what's the secret to content? What's the secret to content? The secret to content is connection. You know, content has been around for a very long time. Um, I'm not saying we got to go back to the basics, but you know, when you when you're watching something, think about what the consumer feels when they watch it. Are they gonna remember this? You remember your favorite movie, you remember what movie. You went to go see two years ago. Somebody would be like, hey, could bring up a movie to you, even if you didn't like it. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I saw this so-and-so then. You know, and you can't do that with ads, you know? But for great ads, you can. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, sorry. And, and I just think that that's really the key. It's just like, what what is the, what is the emotive component about the business problem that you're trying that, you know, or what is the emotive component that you can build into the creative concept about the business problem? Cause that's what's going to make people, uh, you know, that, that, you know, remember your, remember your brand, remember your ad, remember that product or service that you featured in that ad. I, I just think it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would never 
forget, you know, the emotional connection that I had to the players club. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. Wrong, sorry. Wrong podcast there. Um, but, no, I don't. <laughs> the ice cube out there somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you bring up a good point. You know, I think of really just making sure that those skills transfer. I always say listening to this podcast, you know, I have a lot of people that are just entering the industry. And, you know, Chris, when I first met you, you were a pup, to be honest. But I mean, you know, you 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 put in you 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 got some big boy years coming in now. And, you know, I guess to that standpoint, so much of your foundation and what you have done has really been to why you're successful. If you had to rebuild your foundation today and I gave you three blocks. What word would you put on each one of those building blocks in order to build your foundation for the next five years? Well, first block will be perseverance. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one thing that I always bring to the table with every campaign I work on. It's just knowing that we're going to see it through. We're going to make something great despite of all of the feedback, despite all of the stakeholders, despite maybe having uh, having a limited budget or limited, limited timeline, we're going to make the best do with what we have. And once we get on this bus, it's all about solutions. There's no complaining. We got to be resilient because if we're not being resilient and moving forward, we're not going to get anywhere. Uh, the second thing I would say is um, having having some level of empathy is very important, you know? Um, and that's And that's also for yourself too, not just for others, but you know, I think a lot of times you can, um, one, one, I think one thing that we fall into is just immediately judging people when they don't live up to these standards or expectations that we have. Okay. You have to understand that, like, you know, not everybody may not be in a mental state as you, not, not everybody may not be as resilient as you, everybody may not be as optimistic as you. Yeah. You know? And also having that for yourself, you know, I think um, for me, you know, I tend to, you know, when I get on these projects, I tend to put the whole team on my back. Yeah. You know? And I put the whole team on the back until I wear myself down, you know, and then I, and then, and then if anything goes wrong, I'm quickly blaming myself for not mm. catching something or anything like that. And um, even, even things that aren't my job, you know, because that's I just, crazy. I, yeah, yeah, you know, but that's just, that's just the nature of who I am, you know, um, you know, in my role, a lot of times I am responsible to make sure that the, the, the campaign successfully launches. So anything that derails that I feel like impacts my success. But I also have to learn to um, sometimes understand that everything isn't on you. You know, um, not everything is your responsibility, and um, it's something that I've act that I'm actively working on. And I would say the third thing that I would have to say is um, the third building block is creativity. Mm-hmm. Always have a point of view. If you do not have a point of view, you are not a professional. You are an EA. I'm sorry. You got to have a POV. You got to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. And you have to have somewhat of an insight into how you're going to get it done, why it should be done that way. Even if you don't go that down that direction, you should even still be thinking like that. Even if it's somebody else's idea that ends up being the one or, or the way that they want to approach something end up, ends up being the way that you go in, mm-hmm. still always have a POV, you know? Um, because I always feel like if, if you know, if, if you don't, if you're not creative and if you don't have a POV, you quickly just become stale, you become a robot, you become reactive. But when you have a POV, you're constantly looking ahead. You have this image in, of your head of what the goal looks like. Mm-hmm. You know? And having that image in your head helps drive you to the goal. You know, yeah. whether that is what comes of it is not, you know, I would say in my career, most of the time, 
the product that I've ended up with become comes out 10 times better than what I envisioned. Yeah. But having that POV and having that creativity and, and you know, con- always being in the details, you know, even when things do pivot, having a POV on like, you know, hey, if we're going to pivot, you know, hey, these are a couple of different good ways or if they put in different options in front of you, have a selection of why you want to go down that direction. Um, And, uh, you know, that, that's just something that we we really lack in, in the marketing industry, especially when you go in-house, you know, a lot of people just really become stale and just kind of, you know, become paper pushers. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you saying that. And I think all three points are very, very crucial and pivotal. But I do want to kind of double click on the last one of really having that POV because, you know, we like to keep it real here at a dose of black joint caffeine. And I do have a lot of entry level black marketers, people in Mm -hmm. advertising, PR and tech that are entering those rooms. And like I said, you put in the big boy years. So, you know, I'm pretty sure you go into a room. We all going to stand up, including myself. I'm going to stand up Uh straight. But it could be intimidating mm-hmm. level as a black person having a POV in those rooms. So what would you recommend is the best way to work up to finding your voice in those rooms? I would say first things first is understand what type of marketer you are, understand what you stand for. You know, some people are brand marketers, some people are product marketers, some people understand how both worlds coexist within one another. And you have to in tech because mm-hmm. there's always the product in the app and there's always the brand. Have a future for both of those things. What are the things that improves the product? What are the things that improve the brand? You know, um, even if these things don't come into fruition, it kind of, you know, it kind of gets you to invest yourself in the business a little bit more than, you know, and most people at the company, most people aren't thinking about those things. Most people are just thinking about how to get through the day. And you mentioned having a POV. And I think you bring up a good point of like, yes, having a POV. But like I was saying, you know, if you put yourself in their shoes, which I know is oh, yeah. to go, I don't know if Chris Butler was that loud in the room, you know? No, no, no. You know what's crazy? Um, You don't. You, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I was brave. And, you know, I still have moments now. Yeah. And when I say have a POV, that doesn't always mean, like, stand up in a room and shout it out loud, yeah, you yeah. know? um, Because, you know, you have to be, be conscious of your audience on the other side of, of the screen, on the other side of the table, you also want to make sure that when you do into these rooms, especially whether your branch side, whether your agency side, that you're coming in as one yeah. and there's no conflict or, t- or tension between you and the folks that are on your side, because that would just bring so much doubt into the process. But what I would say is one, when you, one, the first things first is I, I want to refer to back to earlier is listening. So when you listen and when you, uh, you know, you bring these things back up down the line and you reference these things. You'll create allies with people who, who like that you do that, who feel heard. You'll create allies. And once you create an ally, after creating an ally, gain their trust, you know? Yeah. And when you gain their trust, your POV does not have to be in the room loud, but I feel like your POV can be even more impactful when you have that ally on your team that trusts you. And they're, because you know what you're going to get, they're going to come to you with things. They're going to be like, hey, check out this brief. Hey, yeah, yo, we yeah. want to do this thing, man. We're looking for an agency. We're looking for a production company to take this on. Hey, man, we need some freelance creatives. That's yeah. how you know you built their trust when they're coming to you for things. And when they come to you for these things, that's when you have the opportunity to um, voice your POV when they're literally asking for it. What do you think about this? How do you think we should approach this? So always keep the, you know, for me in my early years, it was always these things just running in my head in these rooms. And I was a lot of times going with the flow and seeing how things turned out 
-hmm. you know, not necessarily voicing my POV, but that's okay. That's what you should be doing at the beginning. (laughs) In those rooms, when you're in those moments, it allows you to see how everybody else voices their opinion, see the decisions they're they're making and seeing what the outcomes are. So when you have those opportunities to see how others operate, take note of that and take notes of, of what you liked and what you didn't like about people who are professionals, whether it be how they communicated, how to, you know, how how they how they made decisions and things like that. Learn from that. Those are the years to learn. And as you're doing those things, really dissect the decisions that they made and why they made them. That's yeah. how you develop a strong POV. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a smart man once told me, you know, a, a smart person learns from their mistakes. A genius learns from the mistakes of others. And I do think that a lot of times we get caught up in learning from our own mistakes because we so badly want to be the top dog. We want to be the big voice in the room. We want the big titles. Like, sit back, relax. There's people in the room who've been doing it 10 and 20 years before you. Some people in this room, I'm 32. And some people, sometimes I'm in a room with people who've been doing this as long as I've been born. Yeah. You know, take the opportunity to learn from those people. And um, again, take note of that. Take what you like and dislike and put together your POV on that. And trust me, if you go this route and you continuously build these allies, you build these relationships, you, can't, you show people that you're actively listening. You continue to take on more responsibility because you're actively listening and learning and now you can do more. You will be in a position one day where your room is a deciding voice in the room. Oh, yeah. But again, don't, you know, don't rush the process. You know, so many people now want to just rush the process. And sometimes, you know, having that voice in the room early could get you far ahead very early when you're in a room of voiceless people. But trust me, you're going to hit a ceiling because you're, Cause you're also talking over people that you could be learning from, you know, sit back, learn, know when it's time for you to voice that POV. It's going to come moments where you're in those rooms and you're having those conversations with allies and they're making decisions based on conversations that you've had with them. Yeah. They grow. Listen, they will take you with them. Cause that means that they're, they're liking your ideas and yeah. they're presenting your ideas. Yeah. And they, always advocate for you because of that. So, you know, always, you know, also always don't always, Take things just as face value. Yeah. If you're doing the right things and if you're doing these things, there's rooms that you aren't in that people are talking about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, some people again want instant gratification. It's not about that. You know, you know, the more the more people that your allies speak to you positively about, talk you up to, understand that those things have impacts on your career. Yeah, I love that. I appreciate you sharing that. So now um, that you are at Uber. Um, you know, I think the other time and the last time that we may have ran into each other, I believe you were at 72 and sunny. Yeah, out in LA, definitely. I think it was at color one of those years. Yes, yeah, yes. I yeah. probably was at and so to that point, I'm super curious to know what how what is your agency to brand relationship now, being that you work at Uber and even Uber aside, but how do you find yourself interacting with agencies uh these days? Yes. So it's such an interesting thing because um, brand side, you don't find a lot of people who've, who've done the agency grind. And I'm going to tell you right now, one thing that I'm quickly learning is that no one should be able to, it's like when I came from the, when I was in the entertainment industry, you couldn't do anything until you go spent a year on the agent's desk over at CAA or ICM Partners or WME. You had to go do that before you can even go over to, you know, a Disney or Netflix or anything like that. Yeah, and yeah. I think that brands need to adapt that model a lot more. Um, <laughs> you should have to spend time at an agency before yeah. you go. 
you do not know how to be a marketer until you spent time at an agency. Yeah. I'm sorry. It just doesn't, it just doesn't pan out correctly. You don't, you have to understand the grind and you have to understand every step of the process. And that's where a lot of people kind of get lost in it is like not understanding every step in the process and trying to skip steps. You're going to only dilute the work that you put out there. Um, so I did my agency run and man, like it was great. You know, I did 70 to a sunny. I did small stop, small shops such as um, Conscious Minds. I did Shy It. You know, um, I did Chell, which is the um, the agency group that uh, pretty much is the Omni Group of um, of Korea and APAC. Mm -hmm. And um, every agency run, the reason why it's the crash course in marketing because you get the opportunity to work with so many different brands. Yeah, and you get to solve so many different complex business problems. Sometimes in tandem, like you could literally be at an agency and and you know working on Mountain Dew and working on Hilton. Like one of them is CPG, one of them is hotels. Exactly. They're all introducing you to different audiences. They're all, they're all um, introducing you to different uh, business types and different ways. And, you know, you're learning insights on like how companies, you know, you know, how, how, how do they, you know, how do they become profitable? Where does majority of their revenue come from? Like those are the types of things that you learn when you're brand side. And it's like, you, you get such an expedited, you know, expedited lesson because you spend three years at an agency, especially mm -hmm. if you go where like 72 and sunny, which is that's a lot of project work, you know, not just project work with small brands, with some big brands, you know, you could walk out there touching a dozen brands and launching campaigns for a dozen brands, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think that like that, you know, it, it's, it's something in that, that kind of sped up lesson versus spending three years at one brand where you kind of are only, you know, you're pretty much um, complacent to like one type of business. How do they grow revenue? I feel like if you don't spend, if you don't start your career off agency side, I feel like the beginning of your career, you probably should. If you start brand side, you probably shouldn't spend more than two years at each brand. Yeah, I agree. Because you know? then you're going to pigeonhole yourself. You feel me? Like, you know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I've seen folks come in, you know, from what, you know, whether it be agency side and we get a new marketing manager, I'll be brand side and get a new marketing manager. And it's really hard for them to unlearn everything that they learned from the last brand that they spent six and seven and eight years at. Yeah. And essentially it is their downfall. You know, you, you have to learn to be flexible. You have to learn how to flex different sides of your brain constantly. You know, you want to be a top dog. You want to be a CEO, man. CEO is talking about P and L. They talking about marketing. They talking about product. Like Everything. you ain't gonna be able to flex that muscle sitting in one row for ten yeah. years. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, like everybody want to be the top dog, but ain't nobody trenches <laughs> of the top dog. Everybody want to be LeBron, man. But yeah. look how many teams LeBron went and won a ring with. You feel me? Yeah. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah, a lot of trial and error, and and that's cool. There's nothing wrong with trial and error. How so, is that you navigating the pandemic and uh, a, a newborn like at the same time? I mean, people, I don't think anybody really, I have not heard anyone talk about that. Oh man, it's like, it's, it's weird because um I feel like I would know more about it if I had a kid before yeah. the pandemic that I can compare it to. And I probably won't know until I have a kid now that we're post pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The difference is, is, I would say one thing that has been amazing is he has an amazing grandmother mm -hmm. who, uh, you know, I can't keep him home every day. We have some days. You see how he is when I'm on the computer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he has, he has a great grandmother who um, you know, is it okay. I'm on I'm can you sit down and watch TV, please? <laughs> can you sit down and watch TV, please? All right, we're gonna go. It's raining. We can't go to the park. 
Hey, Safari. But um, but he has a great grandmother who um who watches, and I have four sisters as well. Nice. So having um um I had you know having um you know and I have my two older sisters who are who are also parents, but having them to help me out. Yeah. It's been great. And then navigating a child with the pandemic, I would say it's probably it was probably the most nerve wracking aspect of my life. You know, we had no idea where this world was going. Yeah. Uh, I was working remote. My career was pretty good at the time, but just everything was just so volatile that mm-hmm. I was just kind of like stock market is up and down. This is up and down. You know, <clears throat> it, it, everything was all over the place. But um, I would say that what it did was it kind of taught me that. Again, like you got to persevere. Now you, you're doing this for somebody, you know, you got to be, you got to be mentally right for somebody. You got to be financially right for somebody. You got to make sure that, you know, you're displaying the right characteristics that you want him to take on in life, you know? So he doesn't understand it now as a three-year-old, but you know, one day when he's six, seven, eight, nine, ten, he'll understand. And you're getting that Oscar and you're getting that Oscar. (laughs) And I'm getting that Oscar. Like, man, I'm on the phone talking with, uh, (laughs) <laughs> talking with Spike Lee about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. You know, I've been recently reading this book. It's called uh, For the Culture. It's by Marcus Collins. I'm not sure if you know Marcus Collins. Why didn't you brought Widen the Kennedy? The CSO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But um, one of the things it's making me realize all the things that we are missing in culture. If you haven't read the book, I suggest you get it. Or anyway, a- after this, I'll get your phone number and I'll I'll probably just mail it to you because it's a really good hey. read. But I think if anything, if you had to give a dose of anything to the culture and for the culture that you feel like culture in general is lacking, as you know it, what would you like to give the culture a dose of? I say, I would say for the culture, I would, I would say um, the culture, what we need more is we need more partnership. You know, Mm. we don't, we don't see no more. uh, We don't see as much as we did back in the days. You feel me? Like Dame and Jay linking up and starting Rockefeller or, you know. You know, uh, 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 we that's can go a good down. point. Why yeah, do like, you feel like, like, I, that's a good point. Like everything feels very segmented. It's like, we're all, we're, I can name, so I can name off my fingers. I mean, this podcast alone, so many people doing different things, but I, I agree. That's a good point. Partnership. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of, I think the issue is because, um, social, social media has put us in a world where everybody's very selfish and everybody wants everything for themselves. Everybody wants everything mm-hmm. to shine for themselves. And I'm like, you know, you could shine together. You feel me? Like you can, you know, and I just think that the culture is is missing a lot of constructiveness, you know? And even when you do link up with people who are trying to start something, it's like, oh, you know, this kind of sounds like a scam, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's yeah. Like, yeah, it's like everything, you know, and, and when and when you try to convince people to go back to the basics, it's like, you know, it ain't necessarily about doing this or creating some crazy, like, man, we could go in and we could get an apartment building somewhere, you know, even just sharing of knowledge, like I always yeah. tell people, like, listen, take fifty dollars a week out that paycheck and put it in and put it in an index fund. You feel me? V O O S P Y S P G I B T Sachs. Like, hey, hold on, go- let's educate the people at home. What is that? Because you have some people at home listening that don't know what that is. Yes. Yeah, so these are all index funds. Um, index funds are pretty much companies who are who are pretty much already pre-diversified or or not companies let me say but but essentially funds that are already pre-diversified with different um natural resources or different industries they own small pieces of each and they pretty much invest them equal you pretty much put all your money in a pot and yep. they'll distribute it 
based on a percentage of how much they want to invest in. But index funds, they are they aren't the sexy things, they aren't the Nike, they aren't the Apple. But they are somewhat of it, but it's not all of it. It's just enough of each. You feel me? So yeah. as the economy just naturally glow, grows over time, we're talking about, you know, you're talking about, you know, inflation and things like that. Like, what, no matter, look how versatile this economy is. VOO just hit a 52-week high, you yeah. know, Vanguard. You know, but it's, it's, about, it's about investing in a secure future, you know? Everything ain't going to make you rich, but you know, over time you can make a lot of money and everything's not going to make you instantly rich, but you can make a lot of money over a long amount of time while you're also working. Take that paycheck, go invest. You know, we don't have enough conversations like that. You know, I listen to earn your leisure a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, what they've taught me in the past two years is like allow my portfolio to go crazy. And some people were like, oh, you know, where's the Lamborghini truck and all that. It's like, no, that, that's, there's no, you know, that thousand dollars a month for a Lamborghini. I was just <laughs> I was having the same conversation with someone because one of my friends, one of my boys, he first of all, they were out talking and he said, Oh, yeah, man, we were talking such and such. And he said, Yeah, man, we and we were all like, Oh man, we can't we were kind of wondering, like, man, we can't wait to see what kind of car you're gonna get next, what kind of car do you gonna get next. And I told him, I said, Y'all ain't gotta worry about what kind of car a dude gonna get next because the dude's getting a bike or a skateboard. I'm saving all my money. Listen, go get listen. I tell people all the time. Don't worry about me. You know, I tell people all the time when people uh talk about getting a car, I'll be like, listen, if you're gonna go get a car, go grab you up a Prius. Some things are yeah, six bucks for the gallon. They run the three, they run the three hundred thousand miles. So if you do need a car. Yeah. Go out and get you a Prius. Go 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 out there and get you a Honda. Yeah. But still, in all, I I think you know your point is very valid of like saving your money, stacking your bread, really stacking. understanding you know yeah. what that looks like, and and um also too figuring out what you're actually spending that money on that mm -hmm. actually may be making up for another empty area of your life because mm -hmm. so often I think that you know money and financial decisions are tied to a state of unhappiness at times. Yeah. You know what I mean? So in that moment of, of them kind of saying that, I was like, I am very content with my paid off car, everything yeah. that I have, and just and and now things, you know, being built. So that's it. Yeah. Exactly. Like listen, if you're gonna worry, think about where you're gonna put your money, the number one place you should be putting your money is where you lay your head at. Yes. Or you know, the company, restaurant. Huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 listen. Old five star restaurant. Personally speaking, I'm gonna always spend a couple dollars on food. I love me it. too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm a huge foodie. Like I, you know, I you won't ever catch me <laughs> in a club in your life popping a bottle. I don't care oh. if I'm up five M's. Yeah. That is, you know, again, we talked about it. You know, areas of your life that you feel lack. Some people feel like they don't get enough attention and acknowledgement, yeah. so they try to go out there and buy it and, and get a fancy car, go out to the club, buying people drinks like. Man, and I'm and being internally happy is a journey. And I'm not saying don't do those things, but I'm all I'm saying is just do do it wisely. You know, yeah. learn some self control. You know, just as balance. much as, exact balance, just as much as you putting in them bottles. Again, go put in that index fund because that two hundred dollars you spent on that buy, bottle is going to be three fifty at the end of the year if you put it in the index fund. Yeah. And once you have that mindset, you become so much more conscious about where you're spending your money. I'm not saying don't live your life. Listen, you can't save your way to wealth. You have to invest your way to wealth. Mm -hmm. But guess what? You got to make some sacrifices. If, if you live in paycheck to paycheck and you out every night, you know, you got to make some sacrifices because something has to give so that you can invest in your future. But 
investing in future it's not a lot of money talking about maybe 200 you do four index funds 50 dollars a week 200 dollars a week man that's two nights out yeah. i'm not saying don't go out i'm just saying you know listen <laughs> i'm doing pretty well in my life and i still pre-game before i go anywhere because you're not spending 25 dollars on a drink i'm sorry i'm not i'm not <laughs> I, I have to have, you know how much money, I got to have so much money that I can't even count it if you want me out here dropping <laughs> popping bottles. I love it. It's $25 on a drink. I'm like, man, this is, that ain't life, man. That ain't no, life. Yeah. No, trust <laughs> me. I definitely, I definitely understand. You know, with you coming back to New York, did you find, did, did it feel like you were having to find your way back once you got there? Or did you feel like you were pretty familiar and able to like jump right back on in? Because you, you went from L.A. to New York, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah. From New York, born and raised in the Bronx, moved to L.A. That's where I spent my, that's moved to L.A. That's why I worked at 72 and Sunny, yeah. Paradise, Conscious Minds. And um, I would say for me, it was a little bit, it was a little bit different because I came back, you know, around pandemic time. Mm -hmm. So I was isolated a lot, you know, but one thing I did do during the pandemic is I walked a lot. You know, mm -hmm. I walked a lot, like, I couldn't do much living in Harlem yep. at um, about a mile away, not, a, not even a mile away. I had central park, maybe like a 20 minute walk away, man. I walk, man. I'm talking about clocking 15,000 steps a day. Yeah. And it was just a lot more time to reflect, you know, and also just to see the city again, just to go through neighborhoods that I once used to hang out in on foot, you know? So by the time everything was up and going again, I kind of jumped back in it, but I also jumped back in it with a new perspective. You know, Absolutely. I do definitely have a lot more of a, like an explorative mindset. I'm in Brooklyn a decent amount. I'm very, you know, I'm very uh, uh, selective about where I spend my time at. Like I go out all the time, but you know, yeah. I just ain't in Joe Schmo club. You know, I have a lot of friends who are some amazing DJs out there, you know, and I, and most of the time when I do come out is really to support them and to listen yeah. to good music and to, see a lot of other friends that I had from, you know, prior to leaving. But yeah, um, yeah like I, I felt like, you know, once things got up and going, it was like I blinked and I was, it was, you know, it was like 20, it was like 2015 again for me, man. I was nice. kind of hitting the ground running, which was beautiful. Nice, nice, nice. Well, listen, any final words before you get out of here that you like to leave our people with? This is a dose of black joy. So leave us with a gem. A dose of black joy. Any final words I have, I would say is actively find your peace until you live it. You know, uh, that's number one. Number two is don't be afraid to be who you are. I was listening to something earlier that was, um, you know, be, be, be very conscious about changing who you are for where you are mm -hmm. and be, be, you know, focus more so on changing where you are instead of who you are. Now, I'm not saying don't improve yourself, but if you feel like you're working hard and you're improving yourself and you're still not and you're still not making the progress that you want, it's probably not true. It's probably where you are. It has been an honor uh, being here. Once we jump off this, too, I'm getting your number because I was actually I've been in New York the last four weeks, which is horrible. I don't even know why. I've wow. been saying that. I'm not there right now, but I was. Um, so, yeah, it's always a pleasure with you um, and everything that you're doing. And uh, we really do appreciate you. So thank you once again for coming on the podcast, man. Thank you again for inviting me, man. And definitely next time when you're in New York, uh, I'll take you to, you know, uh, one of one of my one of my uh, one of my favorite restaurants out here, man. It's called Verlaine. Yeah, uh, nice. Nice shop in the Lower East Side. It's pretty dope.
Okay. Well, I will definitely be up to that. Trust me. I am a very, um, and I, I also, I also talk and eat. So, uh, bad. Oh, good, good, good. Good. Me too. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. And thank you all once again for tuning into another episode of the podcast. As always, stay safe, drink a ton of water, and remember that you deserve a dose of black joy and caffeine. Until next time, I am a do.